Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. We're back. We're, and, and I'm pulling down my own mic pod to try to fade out the music. Can you tell that it's been a month since we've been on the air? Which, what's my excuse? I was just here this morning. So how do I not know how to run this stuff? But uh, we are back. We are here each and every Saturday night to talk about the paranormal. Well, most of the time. But for the past month, we have been off the air and running old episodes or having other things filling in for us. And it's it's great to be back here. It's great to be back on the air because we have a lot of paranormal to talk about. Of course, I'm Tim Weisberg. Along with me is Stephanie Burke, science advisor at Matt Moniz and the silent assassin Matt Costa, who is furiously getting everything up and running on Spooky TV, which if you are new to the program, and I know that we have a lot of people out there uh, who are new to the show tonight, if you have not experienced Spooky South Coast before, we try to be as interactive as we can. So while we are broadcasting here on WBSM, we are also streaming live video on our YouTube channel, which you can go to with the YouTube app, or you can go to on YouTube.com and search for Spooky South Coast, or you can go to SpookyTV.com or SpookySouthCoast.com slash SpookyTV, all those different ways that you can get to that video feed. We also have live streaming audio on our website, as well as on WBSM.com, and as well as to the Radio Pup app. That's Radio P-U-P. If you download that app and search for WBSM, you will get the show in crystal clear FM quality sound while it's airing live. So all these different ways to get the show, all the different ways to hear it, to see it, to experience it. But there's, there's all kinds of ways to be interactive with the show as well. On YouTube, we have a chat room. You can jump into the chat room there. And I see we've already got some folks in there, and including the, our, one of our new people, Jim, who, uh, who I met on the Strange Escapes cruise, and we'll talk about that coming up. But uh, I want to say hi to everybody that's tuning in from that. But uh, you can join in the chat room there on YouTube. You can also text us at 67664. Just make sure you start your text with WBSM. The letters WBSM have to be at the start of your message in order for us to receive it on our software here. You can tweet us at SpookySC, or you can just use the hashtag SpookyLive on Twitter, and we'll see your tweets as well. You can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, but what's the best way to interact with the show? The good old-fashioned way, by calling in at 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. And all this information will be on SpookySouthCoast.com. If at any point in time you're like, gee, I want to call him, but I don't know the number. And, and that jerk Tim hasn't said it in about an hour and a half. So just go to the website, SpookySouthCoast.com, where you'll find all the contact info right there. And also how you can get a hold of us each individually on Twitter or via email and, and get a hold of us all week long. So we like to be we like to be something that you're thinking about experiencing all week even though we broadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern on Saturday nights. And, guys, I, I know that you've been anxiously awaiting coming back into the studio here after this month off. I apologize it's a little warm in here. I did all I could to cool it off for you. I had the fan running. Can't leave it on during the show, though. It's just too darn loud. Yeah, it's comfortable enough. I know it's fine for Stephanie because you're always cold. I am always cold, no matter what. But uh, and And very quickly, uh, before... Because, again, we have a lot of new listeners, or maybe people forgot about us over the month, uh, over the last month. Stephanie, you are a psychic medium. I am. And you also have your own... Wellness center. 
here locally. Yes, I and do. And you actually have something coming up. I have a very big event coming up on June 26th. It's a full day, uh, 10 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. event with um, my one of my best friends in the entire world, Nicola Hoos, who has been on the show with me before. We decided to put together an entire wellness day, bringing you um, what we call Awaken Your Soul Purpose. And that will be a day of psychic development, awakening your third eye, chakras. Um, we have some booty yoga thrown in there, um, which is actually spelled B-U-T-I, so you can look at it. It's actually a chakra yoga. And um, Nicole will be there talking about um, her skulls and auras and a whole entire list of different things. So we're bringing you a complete and full day that we have never done before. So if you guys think that you've been interested in what we do, you've heard our show, I have so many compliments and questions and comments on the show that we did together last month. So if you guys haven't heard that, go back on the podcast and listen to it and go to workatburke.com and make sure that you jump on and, and check it out and we also have Candace Dalton back on June 16th and that will be a fundraiser for our very good friend Ross McHugh who um, is a long time listener of the show so check that out as well and you said that it's booty yoga yes alright because you know that I you know I can't leave it alone I was waiting for it because you know I have to make a booty yoga pants joke yes you do alright so that's enough I'll just leave that hanging out there like that and Matt Moniz you of course are a scientist by trade you have, what, now about 30 years' experience researching the paranormal. Yeah, about with a, that. With a particular concentration in ufology, but a, in all different aspects of the paranormal. And, uh, and of course, we had our two Legend Trips events over the last two weeks. You guys were at the Edaville one uh, last week, and, and that was a huge success. A lot of people, a lot of experiences. Yeah, it was very, very uh, intriguing night. I mean... Luckily, the weather held out for us yeah, because I was, was in the outdoor. Yeah, there a little bit with the sprinkles. <laughs> uh, but a lot of people seeing, um, like, these shadowy figures walking in the um, dino area where I was. I know some people were having some good experiences over in uh, where Andy was on the Midway. A um, couple of people talked about some stuff in, in the house, you know, the, the suicide house. But uh, all in all, it was a great event. I've also been, you know, heading out into the woods because of a few uh, Bigfoot reports over the past month here, as you know. And, uh, and of course, we'll be covering the Bigfoot topic coming up in a future edition of the show for sure, especially local cases here. We said we've got to get those guys on. We've been telling them for like a year now we were going to get them on. Oh. Uh, I'll try and get we're, back we're, in touch with We're later. terrible sometimes about following <laughs> up on things. And, uh, and of course, uh, the silent assassin, Matt Costa, over there making everything happen. Uh, with the video stream and and Matt, how I just I missed you for the last <laughs> month. I know, right? It's been long. I, I've seen you a few times here and there oh, yeah, at the station, but yeah, but uh, yeah, it was it was sad without you. I, I wanted. Yeah, it's to good to be back though. Start singing that song. Can't live without you in my life. I'm really sad that he wasn't at Edaville with us because we had a great time together last year, and I had nobody to. Uh... Well, he was he was the one driving the train. Oh, was he? Yeah. Right. So. All right. Well, I'm still a little upset we didn't get did to ever, Did you ever pictures. get to do that when you were there? Did you ever get to drive the train? No. Yeah, they wouldn't let me either. Hmm. Gee, I, I apparently you have to be trained for it. No pun intended. Uh-huh. So, uh, and tonight our guest will be the one, the only, Mr. John E.L. Tenney. And I, I just got to warn you guys ahead of time. This, is, this, this night's going to get really, really weird. Is it going to be like bromance on radio? It could very well be. Okay. But it was going to be that anyway. Yeah, right. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Tenny anyway, even before we that was were your roommates main crush for a Monday. month. 
Like even before we spent a, a month, I mean a week, even right. before we were sharing a, a cabin on, on the cruise ship for a week, even before that, he's always been one of my favorite people in the paranormal. And how many times have I said, we have to get him on for a full show yes, where we can pick his brain and where we can really hear some of these in-depth stories because I worked with him on the Ghost Talkers program. Right. And when I heard that he was going to be one of the cast members, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I mean, here's a guy whose approach to things I've always been a fan of because he, you know, he looks for the rationality behind things. But at the same time, he doesn't discount legends and folklore and mythology and all that. So, of course, we'll let him explain it a little bit better coming up. But I just I think we can get really, really in-depth in some of these ideas and theories today, tonight. And we can also hear just some really strange stories. I mean, every story that he was telling me. Uh, in the time that we were hanging out together, was just I can't I can't believe this, but I trust you, so I believe you. It's just so fantastical to think. But when you spend your life looking for the weird, Moniz, as you know, the weird <laughs> finds you. Mm-hmm. And we'll we'll get into this, one of the stories that like I immediately got sucked into the weird, the weird world of Tenny, like just by hanging out with him. And I'll, we'll explain that coming up a little bit later on as well. But if you want to call in later on in the show with questions for John. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 are the numbers to do so. And we were talking, of course, you heard us talking about our Edaville trip, our Edaville Legends Trips event. And uh, we had one before that in at the Smith-Harris House in Niantic, Connecticut. And that as well was just a great event with a lot of new people. We saw a lot of new faces over the last couple of weeks. And we're so glad to have you on board and hopefully... You're going to come back to some more future Legend Trips events. We actually have our next event is already on sale. If you go to legendtrips.com, you can get your ticket for our next great Legend Trips event. It's happening at the Murdoch Whitney House in Winchenden, Massachusetts. It's on July 30th. It, if you were there with us last time, you remember that this is a very large mansion in a town that is known for a history of making toys. And Winchenden is just a beautiful, you know, northern Massachusetts town. There is the 22 rooms of the Murdoch Whitney House that we've already been to before, but now they've purchased, the Historical Society's purchased the house across the street, the Isaac Morse House. So we're going to have two mansions to investigate on July 30th, two big houses, plenty of room for everybody. And, uh, and plenty of paranormal history for everybody to get involved with as well. So that's happening July 30th. You can get your tickets by going to legendtrips.com. Uh, go there right now and get them because uh, I got a feeling this event will sell out because people are very excited about being able to do two mansions in one night. And the best part about it is, you know, you, they're right across the street from each other. So you're just going to park your car in one spot and just go back and forth between the houses all night long. And uh, if you've never been to a Legend Trips event, well, this is a good one to come out and, and check it out for the first time. And, and I tell you, you will be hooked because I, I do firmly believe that uh, we do things different and we do things better than anybody else. So that's just my little self-congratulatory plug for all the work that we do. I agree. All right. I second. <laughs> that's, that's about the best ringing endorsement we can give ourselves. Uh, but uh, It's and, true, though. Well, and a lot of people have been giving us a lot of great compliments on, right. uh, online all week, so thank you guys for that. And uh, eventually we'll have our website with testimonials and everything, but we feel weird, like, just pushing ourselves like that and being like, here's all the great things you don't have the reviews say. on Facebook. But uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. 
We started just making event pages for every event now, so we're we're Which is perfect out. because I've been adding them to my business page. We're getting there. We're figuring it all out. And uh, and now we have joining us on the line our guest for tonight. Uh, he is a man who explores all things weird. He's been doing it for a long time, and uh, he is one of the best minds in the paranormal world. And what I like the best about him is, like I said before, you know, he it's a wide range of approach in what he does. He's not locked into uh, having to have things be proven to him. He's willing to just go along with mythologies and, and stories and legends, and that makes him a perfect fit for our show and Mr. John E. L. Tenney, I'm sorry it took me so long to book you on the show for a, for a full episode, but thank you for joining us tonight. Are you are you there with us, John? <laughs> I think he hung up on me. I think he did too. He's like that was not a good enough introduction. Mm-hmm. I am done with you. That could have been it. We'll see what happens with this. This this this, this might this might get a little strange before the night goes on. Here we go. We'll we'll bring him back up here. And we'll push him right through on the air. Hello, John. Are you with us? I'm with you. All right. That was a little strange there for a second. Well, you're dealing with me, right? Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> I figured was going to happen. <laughs> so thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, and and like I said, we've been wanting to get you on for a full show because there's so many different things that we can talk about. As as you know, we, we've covered the gamut over the, the last few weeks. But what I was saying before is that you know, you're somebody that, like myself, it's not one school of thought for you. It's not one approach to the way that you investigate things. You are willing to take a good story along with a good factual experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we humans are storytellers. I mean, it's how traditionally and historically we've always passed down information from one to each other. Writing is mostly new. Language has varied and is, you know, uh, changed and is very fluid. But So we've used you know, stories to pass down our histories to each other. So even if, if someone is willing to tell me a story, which I love listening to as a, as a researcher, I love collecting the information, I love hearing people's personal experiences. It enriches, I think, everyone's life to just sit and listen to a story and maybe be able to apply it. A lot of times with paranormal stuff, you know, people want answers and they want conclusive proof and evidence. But the reality of the situation is I think that in many instances the paranormal experiences people have are personal and they're meant for that person alone and they're not meant to be qualified and quantified and categorized. And that's one thing that I've realized over the last couple of years is that there are more people who are coming forward and sharing personal experiences. And I know that part of that is you know, when you enter into uh, a period of time in society when people feel more comfortable talking about it because they see it on television, because there's books out, because there's magazine articles written about it. So, you know, it becomes a little bit less of a taboo subject. But do you feel like these stories, uh, both, you know, quantifiable and just uh, mythological, are on the rise? Uh, I, I, I think they're, like you said, I think that they're becoming more open. I think we're allowing ourselves to talk about these experiences more. I've always been part of the small camp of people who have believed that, you know, we're not dealing with paranormal phenomena. We're dealing with normal phenomena that is misunderstood or not understood at this time. And one of the reasons that it remains mysterious is because there has been a taboo for so long about talking about it. You know, even if we track back, you know, thousands of years, it was only the shaman or only the person that was allowed to interact or talk about their their spirits and, and the ghosts of the elders and 
And so, you know, people were afraid to even discuss that they had, you know, any kind of a ghost experience or a Bigfoot experience or a UFO experience. And, and now we seem to have warmed to the idea that, you know, we really don't have a, a great grasp of what's going on in reality. So let's just talk about all of the high strangeness that we've experienced throughout our lives. You know, and you talk about in, through history, you know, some of the people who are in loftier positions of society, you know, people who are considered to be among the societal elite being the ones who are talking about these types of phenomena. And now you look at the way that things are going today where, you know, in, in some sense, and I'm not trying to insult anybody, but you can kind of flip that almost. And you're seeing, you know, the, the, the more elite of society shying away from publicly discussing this, and you have more of, no offense, to anybody out there, but more of the lowest common denominator, the, the, the thread, the true thread of the general public that are the ones that are out there doing this. Yeah, I, I've always thought it funny that, you know, the more elite of our society tend to shy away from wanting to sound ridiculous when the majority of the time the things that they do talk about are absolutely ridiculous. To, to have a politician or someone in great political or uh, financial power say that they know best how to run the world or they know best how to run a country of, you know, millions of people. No matter what country they think that they're talking about, that sounds absolutely insane and crazy to me, not the fact that they might have had a ghost experience. Um, that sounds very typical and common to me, which you would think would, you know, hearken them to the common person. Um, but, you know, for kings and queens and politicians and religious leaders to not talk about their paranormal experiences, I think, makes them seem even weirder than they are. It really is getting to the point where, you know, you're weird if you don't have weird things happen to you. You know, it just means that you've got blinders on and that you're not uh, willing to open yourself up to what could be not only eye-opening experiences for yourself personally and your own personal growth, but the way that you can connect with the world around you. Oh, yeah, and, and, you know, there's also been this idea built up that a paranormal experience, that someone who has had a paranormal experience has seen a ghost or a UFO or Bigfoot, and, and the reality of that situation is that that's what's popularly thought of as a paranormal experience. You know, the majority of metaphysical, spiritual, paranormal, unexplained experiences that I deal with when I'm talking to people are coincidental or synchronistic events, things that shouldn't be happening and yet somehow do and and you know every skeptic that i know and every cynic that believes that there is only the material world and nothing exists outside of it at some point will always say well there was this one time and they have an experience that seems to be unexplainable and yet they'll wipe it away with the word coincidence or uh you know some other trite little platitude of of, of high strangeness but the reality is, is we're surrounded by weirdness. The universe is weird. There's no reason, you know, that we can figure out why we're conscious, why we evolved to understand that we're in a universe that was created four billion years ago. That is bizarre. And so if you talk about something like a ghost or a UFO or Bigfoot, I mean, these those are concepts that are, are, are relatively new because consciousness is relatively new in relationship to the universe so it's all strange and everything should be above board and on the table to talk about when i mean not to not to make you sound old but you've been doing this for a long time but we'll we'll qualify that with you started very young and uh when when you first started was there you know we we haven't really talked before about 
when you began this path, was there a certain avenue that you were following in paranormal research, or were you just open right from day one to all this weird stuff? Because the weird stuff uh, found you eventually either way. Yeah, I mean, I started off uh, studying mostly. I mean, I loved weird stuff my whole life, but, you know, I, I don't have, I'm not one of those people that says I saw a ghost when I was four or, or anything like that. But, I mean, I was... I always tell people I was a punk rock kid, and I never did well with the idea of people telling me what I could and couldn't think about or what I could and couldn't do. And so at a certain point when I realized that there was this wealth of history and folklore and mythology that you weren't supposed to, people would tell you, you're not supposed to waste a whole bunch of time thinking about that. Um, you know, it's not real. Don't worry about it. And that, you know, incited the kind of punk rock mentality that I think I still hold to this day which is I'm going to think about these weird things. I'm going to research and investigate the things that people say are ridiculous, uh, some, somewhat out of spite, mostly out of curiosity for myself. But, you know, there's a, there's a Native American tribe that I talked to, and one of their medicine people, I asked him, you know, well, what, what does the Algonquin tribe believe about life after death, uh, and is there a god? And the answer that he gave me translates into English as, if you're not asking the quest those questions, then you're not really living. Most people don't question reality until they're on their deathbeds, until it's too late. Uh, I think part of the fundamental nature of being human is to question humanity and reality and our existence. And that's just something that I think I've always had locked into me at an early age. Because I think if you do accept everything at face value, you're doing yourself a disservice. It, it's kind of like it, it's kind of like watching a movie happen before you and not really interacting with it. You know, if you're not questioning things, you're not really living the way that you should be because you're not absorbing things. You're just having things happen to you. And if that happens, and you're you're only about you know, a quarter of the way into what you really should be because every experience should have you learning for your next experience. And it shouldn't just be a happening. It should be, uh, it, it should, it should be a memory. It should be a learning experience. It should be something that in, indelibly changes who you are. And, and I think you should be a, a willing participant in anything that's happening to you. I mean, if you go to the movie theater and you watch a major motion picture, uh, you can watch in the crowd people who are having an experience and people who are watching a movie. I mean, people who are having an experience, you'll watch their heads dodge as something comes toward the screen. You'll, you'll see them react and, and, and feel something when something emotive happens on the screen. They're, they're having an experience. They're not just watching something happen to them. This happens, you know, throughout our entire lives. And, and you have to question whether or not people are actually living. Um, take part in the experience. When someone asks me, do you want to go to a haunted place? Do you want to talk to a UFO abductee? Do you want to hear how I traveled through time? It's as easy as saying yes. And, and obviously keeping yourself safe and not wandering into some dark forest where you'll be stabbed to death. But, you know, having the, the wherewithal, wherewithal to say, yeah, I want to partake in this very short span of time that I seem to be existing on this very brief little planet in the middle of the cosmos and, and I want to do weird stuff and I want to see as much as I can possibly see and interact with as much as I can possibly interact with. And anybody who has attended any of your weird lectures or heard your Realm of the Weird podcast or, or heard you on other shows, uh, they know that for the most part, 
a lot of your stories start with somebody asking you if you want to see something or experience something, and you say, sure. And we'll get into some of those stories, but i got to ask you, was there ever anything that anybody suggested to show you or to take you along with that you actually said no to? Uh, I mean, there have been situations where my better judgment has kept me out of certain locations, um, knowing that the person I'm with I, I don't know that well or, the, or knowing that the area is a place I shouldn't be going to. But the majority of the time, uh, I, I say yes to things, and I, I agree to go and experience my reality. Uh, but, th- I mean, there have been certain times more of the situations that I'm talking about have nothing to do with paranormal phenomena, mm-hmm. but uh, throughout my entire life, in, in all aspects, you know, when I was 25, I, I, I've been a lifelong Godzilla fan. When I was 25, a friend of mine was complaining that there was no place to buy Godzilla toys, and so I went home and I thought, well, I'll open a Godzilla toy store. And I did it. Like, I, I didn't know how to open a business. I didn't know how to do that. But people do it. And so I just did it. And it was open for a couple of years and it was fun. And then I was like, okay, I'm bored with this. What else do I want to do? Um, and so, I mean, I think that, you know, people always say, well, if I had the time or the motive or the opportunity to do it, uh, they would do it. But the reality of that situation is you do. Uh, you just have to not follow the rules sometimes and just do it. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing that I think a lot of people get hung up on is, uh, especially in paranormal research circles, is a lot of people worried about their reputation. And they're worried about if they start to look into certain avenues or, or, or go on certain cases or visit certain locations that might have a negative effect on how people view them. And I think that to do the job right, you've got to be open to anything you have to when somebody comes at you and says you know I, this weird thing is happening as unbelievable as it may sound you have to you owe it to yourself to to go there and check it out for sure and you know what if you are honest and you're trustworthy and you relate the experience as honestly and as openly as you can i mean that's something i've tried to do my whole life I, i've never tried to create a fake backstory for myself i've never tried to uh, enhance what I have or haven't done throughout my life. I'm just who I am, and I just have the experiences I have. So I think over the years, over the now decades, going into three decades of this, um, people know that if I say something that sounds ridiculous, uh, if I have an experience that sounds completely unbelievable, I have a history of being honest and telling the truth, and it doesn't damage my credibility at all. It, it adds to other people's experiences and you know, surprisingly, the stranger the experiences that I have, the more people that I find out have them if I just openly talk about them. I do find it funny, though, that when people have strange things happen to them, you know, they they will call somebody who does this all the time, uh, somebody like yourself who has been doing this for decades and has seen all kinds of high strangeness, and will always start off the conversation with, you're going to think I'm crazy when I tell you this. <laughs> I mean, but there's there's got to be a few people that that's happened to you once in a while. We said, you know what, you might actually be crazy, and we say it all the time. You may be crazy, but that doesn't mean you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, we live live in the strange world that we're speaking of, and you know, there have been times where uh, one of the stories that I tell is a woman who in Michigan was seeing a UFO across the street from her house almost every night over this construction site, and when she sat at her computer, she would see UFOs. And I was in contact with her for a couple weeks, and one night, without telling her, I knew she had given me her address. Without telling her, I drove out to her neighborhood, and I spent all night watching the construction area across the street from her house. 
and I didn't see any UFOs. I called her back the next day. I asked her if she had seen UFOs. She said, yes, they were all over the neighborhood. So I knew she was lying, but I was still interested in her story. So I went out and talked to her, and she said, well, of course you didn't see them. I'm the only one that can see them, uh, especially in the wintertime when they take the forms of birds, and sometimes they get into my house and change into the doors. And you realize at a certain point, okay, this person might be having a very, very odd experience, but again, my better judgment says the person probably has some kind of intellectual or psychological problem. And, and there are people who, you know, I've, I've heard them tell me stories and I've heard them talking about their experience and thought to myself, you've definitely got some issues. Uh, but I can never say that, you know, until I go there and experience it for myself or don't experience it, I, I have no idea if those issues have any impact on whether or not phenomena is actually taking place. Maybe people who are crazy have more things that happen around them. You know, maybe we can't discount the fact that, yes, you are crazy, and that's part of the data that we're collecting. Absolutely. I'm 100% in agreement. I, I think that I do. I think we're losing you a little bit there, John. Yeah, is that any better? Yep, now we can hear you. <laughs> I used to work years ago uh, as a parapro for kids with learning disabilities, and, you know, obviously there's this stigma attached something is wrong with them or they're not normal and yet every day these children who supposedly were not normal taught me lessons about my life that I could have never learned um, I mean there is something to be said about the mind and what we perceive as being normal I mean is it normal to wake up every single day and go to a job that you hate to pay for things that you don't really need I mean that that is the normal life for many people and that sounds highly irrational and and not correct for someone like me yeah I, I, I'm not a big fan of it having to do it all the time I wish I didn't have to uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I also think too that um, when you can spend as much time as you have, and, and my co-host Matt Moniz has spent a lot of time doing it as well, you know, you do kind of get a a radar for things, too. So you, you kind of know when things are going to get strange. You, ca you kind of know where to go and, and what stories to pursue and, and what uh, cases to pursue because you just kind of get a built-in feel for it, right? Yeah, and I've also learned to recognize, and I think this is true for everyone, and if people paid attention to it, they would they would find it to be common, which is I'm on a, on a cycle of weirdness. So I have like five years of weirdness, and then I will have a year off, and then five years of weirdness, and then a year off. And and that, when I look back at my stories and, and the weird experiences that I've had, I can actually see that there's a rhythm and a flow to the weirdness that I encounter throughout my life. And I, I think that's a really important aspect to what I do, that that you know, I've recognized that not only can I perceive when something is going to be a little bit weird, but that I also realize that this seems to be a natural, normal pattern of weirdness, if that makes any sense. Let me ask you a question, if I can. In those downtimes, do you notice that's also a point where your life changes or things change direction in your life personally? Uh, in those downtimes, I find my it's. You know, it's really strange because in, in those year periods, those are actually when I start to feel like a normal person. When I start like, oh, I should put a resume together and, and I really, 
you know, it's been a tough go this year, these past few years of trying to make ends meet and I should really get a new car and maybe put a new roof on my house. And and I start to think very typically of, of what most people would say is a normal person. And then I'll get into this point where I have the resume written and I have contractors ready to come out and put a new roof on my house. And then that year will end and someone will call me and I'll be like, oh, well, this is where I realize I, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, we're, the normal people are the ones that I worry more about. <laughs> the people who try to be the more straight-laced ones. And and we saw that when we were on the cruise. We saw the people that were avoiding the, the weirdo paranormal people like the plague walking around. And then there were other people that were just coming up to us and being like, tell tell me a story. Tell me something. You know, tell me something that's going to blow my mind and... and I think more often than not, that was the case. For sure. And you know, to talk about the cruise and, and stay on that subject, I mean, we, Tim and I experienced normal people uh, being put into the situation of just just the situation of being allowed to drink as much as you want to. And you watch what happens to normal people, which is there was a, 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 a like a nightclub at the back of the ship, which was a, a, a very... Sodom and Gomorrah-esque location during the cruise where people were just letting loose and kind of being who they should be all the time, uh, very free and open and carefree. Uh, you know, but these are people who any normal day, normal, quote-unquote, normal day, would look at what Tim and I do and what we all think about and, and say that we're very strange for being open and talking. Yeah, I really thought that one of the more interesting aspects of it was that when the normal people, quote-unquote normal people, would kind of, you could kind of watch them. And I'm sure you've seen it happen a lot of times when you're at different uh, Comic-Cons and, you know, conventions that are outside of the paranormal world, where you'll see people who are kind of edging their way into the conversation. And they're, they're watching from the sidelines and they're listening from the sidelines. They want to get involved, but they're hesitant to do so. And I think there was a lot of that going on, and I'm, I'm sure you see that all the time. Oh, yeah, at Comic-Con, you know, it's so funny. I just did the uh, Motor City Comic-Con in Detroit, and I do a panel there every year about something paranormal. And what's really funny is that, you know, you have this comic book convention. You have a lot of pop culture icons there. Adam West and Burt Ward, Batman and Robin were there this year. And you have all these comic artists that are milling about, and you have a ton of cosplay people. And I'm like, who who wants to come and see a paranormal lecture? Like, that's not, you know, I've always wondered why they invite me back. But they invite me back because... The room is packed out every single year. It's standing room only. And it's packed out with these people who edge over to my table slowly through the whole weekend and say, you know, oh, one time I think I saw a UFO. And I'll say, oh, where was that at? And they'll say, oh, I was young. And then they walked away. But they they feel like they need to tell someone about it. They, they want to be involved in it, but they're afraid, even though they're dressed up like Harley Quinn or Batman, they're afraid that someone, someone's going to think they're strange. <laughs> Right. Yeah, and, and those are some of the more conservative costumes that you see. You know, there's, there's <laughs> some people who are they're walking around these Comic-Cons that you're thinking to yourself, uh, does your mom know that you're here just like that? Did, <laughs> did, does she know that when you left the basement you snuck up the bulkhead so that you wouldn't see what you were wearing? Uh, but and, uh, uh, not not to generalize. No, but, it, you know, and it's funny, too, because at that same Comic-Con they had um, – Mitch Pileggi, who plays Director Skinner on The X-Files, and uh, William Davis, who plays a cigarette-smoking man who was there, and I ended up talking to both of them. 
and cigarette smoking man speaks at skeptic conventions. He is a, a cynic and a skeptic and a complete materialist, doesn't believe that any of it's true. And the first thing that Mitch Pelleggi told me was about when he saw a UFO in, in Los Angeles. So it's, it's also weird to see people working on the X-Files and, and watching the internal struggle they go through, you know, with one who's the head of the conspiracy and the head of aliens who doesn't believe in it at all, and the other one that is trying to, you know, quell rumors and get to the truth, and he's the guy who's had the UFO experience. I do think that we're going to see a lot more of people who are standing on the sidelines, coming a little bit more and getting more into the conversation, mainly because there's... For a while, you know, we're stuck in this paranormal reality TV genre, and now it's blurring the lines even more where these storylines and these concepts are, are, are working their way into other series. So, you know, now you're seeing, like, I don't know, one of these, like, real housewives of whatever shows where all of a sudden now they're going to a, par- uh, to a haunted location and putting them in there for the night. You know, they're putting a lot of these, and Chris Balzano and I talk about this all the time, when they take paranormal themes and put them into, quote-unquote, regular shows. For sure. And, you know, it's it's always... It's always been fascinating to me. It's always been there, but like you said, more, it's become more so lately where you're starting to see the paranormal and the supernatural kind of slip into almost every other show that you watch. But you can track back to, uh, you know, there's a, a, I watch old game shows from the 1950s and 60s is really the only television I watch. And I was watching um, What's My Line from the 1950s. And they had a guy on there who was a sailor, and, and at one point, at the very, very, very end of trying to figure out who was the real sailor out of the three that were lying, uh, Tom Poston says to the guy, uh, do you think that Lemuria is real? And uh, Lemuria being, you know, the, the, the Pacific version of Atlantis, where Atlantis is in the Atlantic. But it was such a weird deep paranormal thought in the 1950s to come out and say like oh like Tom Poston back in the 50s this actor was reading about Moo and Lemuria and thought so much about it than to ask a sailor on a television show in the 50s like it's it's crazy again how many people think about it how many people are afraid to talk about it but then how ingrained it becomes in our society Absolutely, and and we'll be talking more about this coming up in the next hour. We are going to have to take a break uh, for the network news, but when we come back on the other side, we'll talk more with our guest, John Tenney, about different concepts within the paranormal. Uh, we're going to try and get him to share some of his weirder stories with us as well, and, uh, and, and, and maybe we can talk elves a little bit, John, before sure, the end of the night. Sure, absolutely. Because that kind of ties into, I was saying earlier, how now I'm sucked into your world of weird. <laughs> You are indeed. We will share that story coming up a little bit. Uh, And, again, if you want to check out what Stephanie was talking about during the break, the event that she has coming up, go to workatburk.com. And, uh, and Stephanie, feel free to tweet tweet out a link to your website from the Spooky account. I definitely will. And uh, and also legendtrips.com if you want to join us for that event in Winchenden coming up on July 30th where we will be investigating two haunted mansions in Winchenden, Mass., right across the street from each other. And to date we've raised – almost $30,000 to help these historic haunted places. So help us raise some more dollars to help out by going to legendtrips.com and getting your ticket now. But uh, we are just about out of time for this hour. Again, we'll be back in the next hour with more Spooky South Coast here on WBSM.
back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with Stephanie Burke, the silent assassin Matt Costa, and science advisor Matt Moniz. And, and Matt Costa thinks that he's got everything all cleared up during the news breaks with the YouTube. So if you want to go back to the streaming video on YouTube, if you're listening on the Radio Pup app or on WBSM.com, uh, you can go back to the YouTube and it should be working. Either way, you should definitely have the YouTube channel open because we can interact with you there with the chat room. So a lot of people have been asking us for a long time to bring the chat room back. It's it's back on the YouTube page. So that's the way that you can interact with us during the show. You can also text us at 67664. And you just have to put the letters WBSM at the start of your message so that we get it here on our software. But it's 67664. Save it in your phone so you can text us during the show. But don't text us for Spooky South Coast unless it's during Spooky South Coast because then it goes to the other hosts and they get confused. They're like, why are people asking me about ghosts on the text? I don't know anything about ghosts. So just try to save those texts for just during during our show. And then, of course, you can get us on Twitter, at SpookySC. Or you can talk about the show on Twitter using the hashtag SpookyLive, and that will filter into us as well. So all those technologically advanced ways to get a hold of us. But we also have the good old-fashioned Alexander Graham Bell method. You can call in at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420 if you want to call in toll-free. Although this is 2016. If you're still worried about toll calls, you know, you're doing it wrong. You can go get the Magic Jack. Do we have a Magic Jack sponsorship with the station, Matt Costa? Can I promote Magic Jack? Uh, we should, though. We really should. It's uh, it's uh, it's amazing. I have no idea. I've never actually used Magic Jack. I know somebody, though, who ran a whole business I think, I think on they Magic have uh, Skype now. You can use Skype. Oh, same yeah. Thing. That's, yeah, same pretty thing, much. Right? Yeah. No, it all works the same. Uh, but we would love to hear from you. And, of course, I'm sure people will be calling in with questions later on for our guest, Mr. John E.L. Tenney. And he is joining us on the phone tonight. And, like I said, we're going to get into some of the weirder stories, John. Uh, there's there's definitely some interesting things that have happened to you over the years that I would, I'd like to find out a little bit more about. Because as I'm hearing these stories when, when we were hanging out together, they're just kind of washing over me and I'm absorbing them all. And then... All kinds of other questions popped up into my mind afterwards. So, and also, you know, we got to the point where uh, just strange things started happening frequently that we just started taking it for granted too. For sure, and, and I've never laughed so much like in my life. <laughs> my sides are still hurting. I'm still coming back from the sprains of my last laugh muscles. Uh, there's but a, there's a, a good reality show in. Uh, you and I laying in in separate twin beds talking to each other for an hour. And it really was though, like it, like you would think, like all right, they're, they're just sitting around and, and goofing and having fun. But we were having serious discussions. We were talking about very interesting topics, but it's just it would always seem to veer off into something that was hilarious. Well, for sure, and I mean that that's going to happen when every day you find some kind of towel creature in your room. <laughs> They were they we the towel creatures were were. It's like a thing on cruise. It was, right? but for us, it became even more of a thing. Oh my god! Because like at one point, you know, uh, John was actually requesting like you know we need to up your towel game a little bit oh to, <laughs> to our to our steward and uh, and and he did. I mean, he delivered with that red eyed monkey. Wow. The red eyed monkey, and I swear there was one time when he had created a giant duck mite. 
That was <laughs> that was the weird one. That was certainly. But uh, oh my god, he did he did dub the the monkey. Uh, he dubbed it Monkey Farkas. Wow, because it had I it like had it. red eyes. Can I uh, can I get in on this reality show and be like the live audience of one, just so I can see this go down? Oh, you you would have been you would have actually had been leaving the room. I think so. Gasping for air. Oh no. Yes, you would have had trouble. No, not not in any kind of flatulent problem. <laughs> Just in, in terms of the laughter. Not being able to breathe. Yes. Two guys laying in the bed talking. Like not the beds. same bed. Matching twin beds. Was it Bert and Ernie and the like, paranormal yes. type of thing? You know? More like we, we prefer Big Spoon, Little Spoon. I like okay. that. But then you'd have to be in the same bed for Big Spoon, Little Spoon. Yeah. No, no, we were able to do it, and, and we, we did it, uh, you know, Leave it to Beaver style in the okay. two separate beds. So I like it. And uh, But what, one of my favorite things that, that happened, though, is <laughs> when... You know, when you spend this much time kind of talking about all these things, you expect that weird things will happen to you. And, and we have all kinds of weird things that happen to us. And even at the very beginning of doing Spooky South Coast, you know, we would have strange experiences when we got home from the show. And we'd see weird shadows and hear strange sounds and all that kind of stuff. But I'm hearing all of John's stories for a week. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, at least I don't have it that bad. And then sure enough... I'm, I'm just going to tell this story real quick, John. Do, do it. We we had our steward's name was Resley, Resley Tan. And we he was kind of the, the focal point for a lot of our humor over the course of the week. Great guy. He did a fantastic job. And and the and the, the towel animals were, were a thing as well. So, you know, that's all kind of together in the same thing. But John tells this story, and we're going to make him share it tonight, about encountering an elf. And... When I go home, I look on Facebook, and I want to, like, make a meme to, to text him to make him laugh. And so I look up Resley Tan on Facebook. And the dude only has two pictures mm-hmm. on his Facebook. And what is he standing next to in one of the only two pictures he has on Facebook? An elf. A statue of an elf. So, so it was like a gold mine. It, it was just immediately, <laughs> like, this. And what was even weirder is that we were both looking it up at the same time. Because we both had the same idea of, of making a meme and sending it to the other person. Well, you're both in the business of weird. You spent a week together. Come on. And now we share the same brain. Right, apparently. And so I'm just putting that story out there. as, And a lot of people are saying, well, why are you telling that story before he shares the elf story? I'm putting that out there as a caveat. <laughs> because if you cho- choose to listen to this story, you're going to be sucked into the elf world. And here... Yeah. We have puckwudgies. I don't know how it works, Tim, but it does, like, and it, it, that's why I say, like, when I jokingly say, like, it follows me around, like, it follows a lot of people around once they get involved with it. And it's going to be worse for people in this area because, as, as we talked about, we have puckwudgies here in the Bridgewater Triangle region of the world. So we have, like, active reports of a dwarf-like creature in this area. So it's not like this is going to be something coming out of left field for, for, for this region. So just... Be aware of that when we when we have John share the story, which I'm just going. People are going crazy for it on on Twitter and in the chat room and everything. Now I'm just going to ask you, please share with us the story of the elf. <laughs> All right. So um, you know, obviously, as I spoke of earlier, when when someone asks you if you want to do something, I say I I do, of course. I guess I do. Uh, and there was a gentleman who's been following me on the internet. Had seen a, a lecture of mine, and he eventually contacted me earlier this year and, and asked me, do you want to see an elf? And I said, yes, of course. And he 
and I exchanged emails and talked on the phone many times over the course of many weeks, and he explained that he had learned somehow or another how to summon them, uh, that he had retired and moved into Michigan's Thumb area. He had some property that backs up to a state forest. Uh, after his wife passed away, he would walk through the woods singing, and eventually these creatures that he calls elves responded to his singing, and he has become friends with them, and they communicate with him telepathically because he doesn't understand their language. Uh, all of this sounds great to me. I want to be involved with it. I want to see an elf. I want to talk telepathically to some strange creature. So we set a date. He sends me a very comprehensive list of things that I have to do for three days beforehand. Uh, I'm not allowed to eat any meat because if you smell like you've eaten meat, the quote-unquote elves get afraid. They think that you're going to eat them. So you can't eat any meat. Um, you try and uh, uh, spend every morning as soon as you wake up, go outside and let the sun shine on your face. You have to have three interactions a, a day for three days with uh, a non uh, human animal, so a dog, cat, bird, whatever. Uh, you have to spend three times a day for three days touching a plant of some sort. Uh, so I, this huge list of things, which I posted some of them on Facebook and people can read. So I, I go through the process um, fully well thinking to myself that this is indeed a moment where I'm going to drive up into Michigan's thumb area and, and probably be killed. Uh, so I tell people where I'm going to be so that if anything happens, of course, they you know, can track back to me, and I make this trip up to this man's house. He's uh, late 80s, early 90s. He's a retired automotive worker, um, so I felt somewhat okay that I could take him if the fight was going to break out, but you never know who's going to be dressed up as a Keebler elf in the forest with a knife and right. stab you in the chest. Or, uh, or so, other places. What was that? Or get stabbed other places. Right, exactly. <laughs> so... I, uh, I drive up there, and I, we talk for a little bit. It's 9, 9.30 at night. It's wintertime in Michigan. It's about minus 5 degrees outside. Uh, there's snow on the ground. We go outside. We kind of walk into the darkness of a forest behind his house, um, and he sings. And uh, you know, I have to stand there and breathe with my mouth open so they can smell my breath and not be afraid that I'm going to eat them. And he starts to sing this little tune. He's humming, and as I'm standing there in the darkness, uh, I start to see what appears to be fireflies starting to fill up the forest. Now, again, this is minus 5 degrees, snow on the ground, Michigan winter. There are no fireflies. And the fireflies that I'm used to seeing are kind of a yellowish, yellow-greenish color. And these that I'm seeing are purples and blues and pinks. And they don't look like a firefly, the way a firefly kind of is bright and then slowly fades off. You can kind of see their tail. These are kind of these small popping flashes of color all around the forest. And he says to me, uh, he stops singing for a second. He says, they're coming. And I, I, my heart is racing and I'm starting to freak out. I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm about to see an elf or something happening. Uh, and I start to hear scurrying at my feet. It sounds much like a chipmunk or a squirrel. And I have a camera on me at the time. He told me I could bring a camera. And he stopped singing at a certain point, and he says, right there, about 10 feet in front of you, take a picture. And so without even, my camera's just hanging over my neck, so without even lifting it up to my eye, I just snap a photo, and my flash goes off. And about 
10 to 12 feet in front of me on this log that's fallen over is what looks like an elf, a little 11 and a half inch tall person upright uh, who jumps back into the darkness as soon as the flash goes off. And obviously there are these moments where reality twists and there's this kind of what just happened, what did I just see? And I run over there and I start taking more pictures and I, I get pictures of these little uh, hoof prints all around in the snow and I don't see the creature again and, and the creature is gone and that was kind of my experience. And I have to drive home thinking to myself, what did I just see? I just think that I saw what, an elf. Um, so that's the, the, the beginnings of that story. <laughs> but it doesn't end there. I mean, this has been something that has been, you know, needling its way into your life now ever since. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I'm processing the experience and, and I'm, I'm going through the motions of, of relearning myself after thinking I see this 11-inch tall hoofed little hairy creature, which I sometimes call, it looked like a little Bigfoot. Um, you know, I can describe it with it had, uh, hooves, but it had it was covered with hair. Um, it had big ears that folded forward. They were so big, kind of like elephant ears, except folding forward. Uh, little inset eyes, a, a very long, broad nose uh, with almost like a cat's mouth. Um, and so I'm, as I'm processing that and I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it, I call some of my friends. I call Greg and Dana Newkirk, and I start talking to them about this elf experience. And as I'm talking to them, uh, all of the doors in my house start slamming and banging on the outside uh, of my house. And I start freaking out, and I jokingly say, I think the elf followed me home. And I, I tell Greg and Dana, I'm going to put you on Skype so you guys can, can be witness to whatever's happening in my house. So I, I get them on, I hang up with them, I get them on Skype, turn them on, they, they hear the doors slamming and, and going crazy. And then at some point, I, my front door slams, and I grab the computer, the laptop, and I, I go, something is on the front porch. And I, I, I wanted them to be with me. I didn't want to be alone, and they're live on Skype with me. So I walk over to the front door, I open the front door to my house, and in the snow on my front porch are little hoof prints in the snow all over. And it seems as though the elf followed me home. And then from that point forward up, up until today, um, there have just been nonstop iterations of this elf introducing itself into my life. One, one of the stories that I tell, I think I told it on the ship, was I'm standing in line at Starbucks. And there's a woman, and she's behind me, and her son is talking to an imaginary friend, which I think is kind of fun and awesome. And I turn around, and I look and smile at him, and she says, oh, he's talking to his imaginary friend. I said, yeah, that's cool. I go, uh, does, do you know the friend's name? And she goes, Kami. And I like, Kami, like a communist, like C-O-M-M-I-E, like, that's strange. And she goes, no, 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 K-O, or K-N-O-M-E. Kami. And I was like, oh, okay. And I get my coffee and I'm walking away and I realized that that's actually a spelling of the word gnome. This kid behind me at Starbucks is talking to a gnome. Uh, so there's the elf. Like the like all of these very weird similarities of elves, gnomes, and trolls have popped up since that experience and, and they haven't stopped. Even like you were saying, you know, the fact that you and I at the same time separated by hundreds of miles, decide to try and send each other a picture of our steward from the cruise 
We're doing that at the same time, and we both discover at the same time that one of the only pictures of him that exists is him standing next to an owl. So weird. So awesome. I love it, though, because that's, I mean, to me, that's, it's one thing if it's, you know, like what they call blue car syndrome, where, you know, you, you go out and you buy a blue Toyota Celica, and all of a sudden, I don't know if they even make those anymore, but now all of a sudden you're looking and you see blue Toyota Celicas everywhere. You know, that'd be one thing, but this is something that it's coming toward you. You're not like, it's not like you're seeing these this imagery everywhere. It's these things are infiltrating your life. So it's it, to me, it just shows that, you know, they're aware of you now, John, and you can't escape them. <laughs> and they're aware of you as well, Tim. And now all of your listeners are, are you know, it's, it's very strange, too. I was talking to uh, Greg Newkirk uh, about an event that he did. Uh, he had gone down to uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky, where they have um, the incident in the 50s of the Hopkinsville Goblins, where these aliens attacked a family. And he went down there to do a lecture, and he was talking to a gentleman, and, and the gentleman said, oh, I've seen something weird. And again, this is, you know, probably a month ago. And he says to Greg, you know, I, I, I haven't seen aliens, but back on my property, I have photographs of these little people in the trees. And Greg says to him, well, knowing my story, Greg says to him, you know, well, you know, is there anything else strange? And the guy says, no, just these very weird fireflies that are all over the place. And so it's like even worked its way into following around Greg and Dana now. And and Jim, who uh, who was on the ship with us, is in the chat room on YouTube, and he said uh, that there was a girl on the ship that thought she had your elf in her room. So uh, yeah, there were and there were women uh, there were women on the ship who weren't with our group, who found me outside. I was playing shuffleboard with a very nice young gentleman, and uh, these women came over. They weren't with our group. They were like, "Oh, we we know there's ghost uh, investigators on the ship. You know, can we talk to you?" And I was like, yeah, sure, of course. And these are just random women who are on a cruise. They, they pull me aside from playing shuffleboard, and the one woman says to me, yeah, I only have one really weird ghost story. When I was a little girl, uh, I got a Walkman for Christmas, and I was walking around out in the woods with my Walkman on, and I was singing, and I started to feel like there were chipmunks chasing me around, and there were all these weird fireflies that started to surround me out in the woods, and as soon as I stopped singing, they disappeared. She goes, have you ever heard of anything like that? And it's like, holy crap, here's another one. Here's another person, a random person just pulling me aside, telling me an experience that they've had that is associated or could be associated with my elf experience. I, I would I worry a little bit, as I said here, because we have those those puckwudgies that are coming around here uh, that are in this area. So I, I worry a little bit about that because they're not as benign as elves may be through history i mean the puckwudgies have a history of really going after people but are we dealing with i mean from a from a folklore standpoint from a mythological standpoint when we talk about these little creatures are we dealing with kind of the same concept across cultures are they kind of all the same basic type of entity you know i don't know i've always thought you know whether it be ghosts or bigfoot or ufos like i've always thought that We've never had the discussion as a community as to what those words mean. And so we each have varying ideas. And I think that we're dealing with a uncountable multitude of experiences which may or may not be similar, uh, but are perhaps vastly different things. Uh, when I questioned the gentleman who summoned elves, who first showed me the elf, uh, and I asked him, are these things evil? Are they mean? 
he said that's not a concept to them. They are whimsy, uh, and that's what he said that they are. That's how they explain themselves to him. They are only whimsy, that they don't understand the concept of, of good and bad. That's kind of a human construct of, of, of evil and uh, mischief. They are simply whimsy, uh, which I find interesting. I, I feel, too, like uh, when when people are looking at all these different... I mean, Moniz and I, we've argued about it on the show and, and off the air as well, where, you know, I always say that things like aliens are kind of just the modern-day fairies or the modern-day whatever anybody's going to be afraid of, that our boogeyman has changed when our technology has changed, when our when our society has changed. So what we're seeing now with the idea of space travel and things coming from other planets is we're seeing a, a more high-tech version of the boogeyman. The archetype argument. Exactly. And so I think that a lot of these, you know, but what's interesting is that a lot of these classic stories have never been lost. So even though we might be afraid of something different now where we might have a new boogeyman, we've never lost sight of some of these more classic mythologies that are still out there. Well, and, you know, I had the pleasure years years ago now in the early 90s of being able to speak personally for a, a somewhat length of time with John Keel. And, you know, Keel believed in these kind of ultra-terrestrials that, there are these kind of, you know, the, the it gets bandied about, interdimensional beings gets bandied about a lot now. But what Keel thought was what we're speaking about, what you're talking about, too. And, and when the archetype, what he was speaking of is as we evolve, we understand them better. It's not that they're changing. It's that they are fitting, uh, they're becoming more understandable to us in a, in a more understandable way. Uh, as as our psychology evolves, they've never changed, um, but but our understanding of of reality and and well, our so our so called shared reality, but as that evolves, um, their truer nature comes into light. One of one of my favorite stories that I've ever heard uh, in regards to a lot of these strange and unusual creatures is I've always loved the ones where, you know, they, they come out and they, they help people and they become a positive influence in a lot of people's lives. I think that if we are going to project these creatures into existence, we'd want to, we'd, we'd want to have a tendency to think that they're more helper spirits than anything else. Have you heard a lot of stories when you're talking about some of these strange, unusual things? Would you say it's more things that are against humans or more there to kind of help humans? I don't want to get into, like, the whole angels versus demons argument, but are we seeing, you know, a lot of these mythological, paranormal-type creatures that are there for good more than evil? Um, again, I think that, that if, if you're dealing with creatures who are kind of outside of our understood or perceived reality, um, I think that they're beyond are kind of baseline concepts of good or evil, that they are doing what they do and, and how we understand them, whether we, we see them as beneficial or evil, uh, that is our perception of them. What I think is interesting is when you, when you talk to, and most of them are gone now, but, but when you talk to the original contactees from the 1950s, who were dealing with extraterrestrials, all of them, all of them were beneficial. They, they were these peace-loving, uh, don't destroy the earth, take care of each other brothers from outer space who, who were watching over us. And then in the 60s, pretty much starting with Betty and Barney Hill, all of a sudden you had aliens that were experimenting on us, trying to take over the planet. 
doing something terrible to us. And again, I think that you're dealing, if you're dealing with anything at all, you're dealing with you know, a multifaceted diamond. Uh, and so you're, you're never going to see the entire thing, but you can see aspects of it. Now, one of the other stories that you told us uh, on on the ship and, and you were sharing with us kind of uh, late one night was the story of the, the disappearing diner, I guess we could call it. And <laughs> and that is one of those stories that, you know, even when you deal with these type of topics for a long enough period of time, it takes a lot for something to send a shiver down my spine, but that one certainly did it. I don't know if you'd be willing to share that one with us too. Yeah, I can do a short version of it. It's, it's one of those, you know, each one of these stories, I, I only really have about, 13 or 14 very strange things that have happened to me. Uh, and those are all documented on the podcast that I did called Realm of the Weird. And the one, you know, I've every, almost every woman that I've dated has said that I'm moments away from standing outside screaming at space and wearing a tinfoil hat. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, this is one of those incidents. I was doing a convention in Decatur, Illinois, and I had my car got hit, and so it was wrecked and had to be in the shop. And I had to, I was kind of trapped in Decatur, Illinois, for about a week. Uh, so the, it happened to the night of the conference. So the conference happened. I ended up walking to the conference while my truck was towed away. Uh, the next day was a Sunday. Everybody left the hotel except for me because I was the only one who didn't have transportation. And I ended up being very much like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. I was one person in a 200-room hotel in Decatur, Illinois, in the middle of winter. So I asked the concierge at the front desk if there was a place that I could walk to to get something to eat. And even though there was a huge snowstorm going on outside, he gave me directions, go out the back of the hotel, there's a little cemetery, you go through that, you go to this dirt road, there's a golf course, you turn this way and you go that way. And so I walked through this snowstorm and found my way to a diner where I had breakfast dinner. I had scrambled eggs and pancakes and coffee and talked to the couple of people that were there and walked back to the hotel and spent the next couple of days in the hotel, uh, walked back a few days later again through an enormous snowstorm, uh, went back to the diner, got waffles that time, uh, and then walked back to the hotel, got my car the day after, and checked out of the hotel. I decided to eat one more time at the diner, so I started to drive there, and I realized I couldn't find it because I'd only ever walked there. And so I drove around for about an hour looking for it, couldn't find it, went back to the hotel, asked for directions. Uh, I told the, the guy working at the desk, you know, I've only ever walked there, so I need driving directions. And he said, well, he started telling me the roads. And I said, you have to give me different directions because since I've only walked, if I get to the river next to the golf course, um, which direction do I go? And he said, oh, if you're at the river at the golf course, then that's, you're in the completely wrong direction. There's nothing over there but forest. Um, and he's right. I eventually found the diner that he was talking about, which I had never seen or been to because it was in a completely different direction. Uh, where I had been going and walking to is just a state forest. There's nothing there. There's no diner. There's never been a diner there. Wow. So I have no idea where I ate twice while I was in Decatur, Illinois. And and it's not just a matter of, like, you're there, you're the only person, you're interacting with other people, you know, you have recollections of what it is that you ate and, and even how it tasted, and it just... I paid, I paid good American money at that place. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing, is, you know, when you pay cash, there's there's no paper trail to prove that you were ever really there, you know, so... No name, nothing? No, so, that's... the one thing that ends up 
So years go by, and uh, these things called podcasts come around, and I do Realm of the Weird, and, and it's one of my weirdest stories, so I do an episode about it, and at the end of the episode, I give the two names of, I remembered the names of the, the people, the two people, the two people that were in the diner aside from me. I talked to them both times I was there, a man and a woman. Uh, and I said, if anybody knows these two people or knows this diner or knows of, of anything that could help me not think I'm insane, like contact me at my email address. And I put that at the end of the podcast. And a few months goes by and at the time Realm of the Weird came out, it was pretty highly listened to. Uh, there weren't as many podcasts as there are now. And a few months goes by, and I got an email from a gentleman from originally from Decatur, Illinois. And he said, I, he goes, I do know that name. That name uh, of the woman that you ate dinner with is the name of my grandmother. She died in 1972. Whoa. <laughs> I told you the stories were going to get weird. And you know what's funny is... I'm okay with this. I'm just not okay with the fact that we only have 23 minutes left. <laughs> See, now, this is, a, this is a big step for you because if this was a horror movie, John, Stephanie would want nothing to do with this. Correct. But because she trusts you and, and she believes you, it's, it's a little bit different for her. But uh, the, See, these are the stories that... This is what makes me lay awake at night thinking about this. Well, I mean, what you guys consider weird is my everyday life. That is true. And I've dealt with things since I was born that most people don't deal with so i enjoy things like this and hearing it from people that are truly wholeheartedly believing in it because it also makes me feel less weird but i enjoy the weird if that makes any sense no what you actually like is you like the fact that other people are just as weird as you and that makes you secretly want to be weirder yeah yep i like it one thing that you will learn quickly you cannot out weird tenny but i like that like i enjoy it i want him to be my new best friend tim you might be out that's we all right. Be, we can be BFFs if you want. All right. It's awesome. What, what spoon right. would you be, though? I don't know. Is there can The littlest be a, spoon? Is you, there like a smaller than little? Or? If, if you really want to be weird, you could be the spork. Oh, oh there you go. Look at that. I like it. There you go. All You're right. The spork. I'll have to join you on the next cruise then. <laughs> well, and, and what I thought was uh, was very interesting about, you know, not, not that we want to just sit around and tell cruise stories, but... You know, no, it's, we could. it's fascinating. But what I what I really liked about it was the fact that uh, it was a chance to, to talk to people. I mean, it wasn't just a matter of going out and doing all these things with people and, and, and only seeing them like you do in an event where everything's going on and there's no downtime to really get to talk to people. We spent a lot of time talking with people and hearing stories from folks, as we were saying before, both part of the group and not part of the group, mm-hmm. and seeing a lot of... You, you could tell a lot of people's lives were changed by this because somebody else believed them and somebody else was willing to listen to their stories. And so what you're saying, Stephanie, makes you feel weird. You know, these people must have felt that all the time, and now they feel a little bit less isolated. Plus, they, they saw me in a bathing suit. So Which that's, is awesome. You know, that's, that's going to – there's nothing weirder than that. <laughs> I enjoy that part of everything I do is if I can change one person's outlook in this life, then I've done my job. And I've opened your mind up to something, then I've done my job. You know, it's one of the things that a lot of times I have fought for many years, and and eventually I have to give in to a little bit of it, but I've fought for for many years to not have a lot of merchandise. 
Uh, I, I'm a researcher and mm-hmm. author, so sometimes I will have books, and I like to make funny T-shirts. I was a graphic designer for many years, so I love to flex my graphic design skill. But I, I try not to have a, a, a table full of merchandise in front of me because I feel it inhibits people from talking to me. Right. Uh, they, they feel like they have to buy something if they're standing in front of me, and the reality is, is you know, a lot of times I go, I'll get yelled at at conventions and conferences because I don't sit behind my table. Uh, but that's usually because I'm walking around or smoking a cigarette and talking to people, which is what I, I really want to do. I, I want to understand how weird the world is, not only for me, but for the people around me. Uh, we seem to be sharing a very strange reality. And so mm-hmm. since we're a part of it, I, I need to know what's happening to other people. So, I, I you know, there are sometimes and, – and, Tim, you know this – there are sometimes you, you'll meet someone in this field who – doesn't want to listen to someone's stories or someone will be saying something to them and and they'll roll their eyes. People can tell when you don't want to listen to them. People can tell Mm -hmm. when you're not taking them seriously. And for me, I mean, this is, for as weird as it is, it's as serious as it is. I I need to know. Yeah, there there are people who are using this as just their angle. You know, the paranormal is just just the genre that they've decided to apply their skills to. And in People can sniff that out. I mean, you have to be genuine in this or else people won't want anything to do with you or they won't support you. Um, you know, I can think of one guy who is probably the the most disingenuous person out there, but even he stuck his toes in the paranormal water now. Speaking of merchandise on John's table, the the <laughs> the new book that's out, why don't you let everybody know about the, the new book that you are uh, that you have on your table now? Oh, the one that just came out recently? Yes. So- yeah, so I had Greg and Dana uh, write introductions, and I put together a collection of my uh, eight favorite, or is it eight or twelve? Eight or twelve favorite uh, elf, gnome, and fairy stories. Hmm. Well, I was actually uh, alluding to the other one that's out now. Oh, which other well, one? Well, you you uh, you didn't co-write this one. Joey did. Oh, are you talking about Donald Trump Ghost Hunter? Donald Trump Ghost Hunter, the best book out there. Really? Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, my friend Joey Hellenant, who uh, I am not Joey Hellenant, uh, but I will promote his book. Uh, you can go on Amazon, and it's free for Kindle uh, people who have a subscription to Kindle and Kindle readers. Uh, Donald Trump Ghost Hunters, The Adventures of America's Foremost Ghost Hunter. The subtitle of the book is Believe Me, I Know Ghosts. Uh, and it's all about Donald Trump fighting black-eyed kids, uh, wow. going to Waverly Hills, and even uh, fighting the devil himself. Well, isn't that interesting? It, it really, I mean, it's its selling like crazy. You I'm know, sure it is. It, it's, it's huge. Mm. It's, it's just... <laughs> oh, my God. It, it's become the, the, the... Everybody was talking about it. I'm sure the book is the best deal you can buy. Oh, Absolutely. Actually, it is a great deal because it's, what's it? Only five dollars, right? If you buy the six dollars and sixty-six cents. Oh, of So yeah, next time you talk to Joey, tell him you know, great job with that one. I will absolutely, Joey. Uh, if you, people don't know, you can also buy his other book, which is called "Come at Me, Ghosts: The Extreme Guide to Fist Fighting and Killing Demons and Getting Famous." That is awesome. It's a must-have. <laughs> it really is. It Obviously, be, yes. It's it's like if you look at the bookshelf. It's like Book of the Damned, you know, mm-hmm. uh, probably, you know, a couple of Hans Holzer books, some Rosemary and Guiley encyclopedias, and, and, then, then, the and true, then Joey. The true how-to guide. That's, that's what you need to have. How to punch ghosts in the face. That is awesome. I think well, my husband would like that one. Speaking, speaking of books, John, what would you say is probably the, the 
seminal work that people need to have? Because I know that you read a lot of different things that you know apply to this and 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 might even be kind of just on the fringe of, of paranormal radar. But what would you say is, is something that everybody that's in this field should read and, and absorb? Um, I'll give you a, 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 a pretty quick top five, I think. Sure. Um, so Psychic Explorations, which is a collection of uh, white papers written by PhDs and compiled by former astronaut Edgar Mitchell, who recently passed away. Uh, I think everybody should read that just because it touches on so many different areas, and it's written by accredited scholarly people. Uh, the second book I would go to is probably Passport to Magonia, which is written by Jacques Vallée. And, you know, even though he's a UFO researcher, it talks about high strangeness incorporated into fairies, elves, ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, all of it. So Passport to Magonia. Um, that's two. Uh, I said I'd do five. Uh, so three would probably be the Encyclopedia of Witchcraft and Demonology, which will be hard to find, but it was written by a guy named Robbins, and it came out many years ago. I'm sure you can find I a reprint on book. Amazon. <laughs> I have that still one. there? Yeah. Well, yeah, Moniz so, was just saying he actually has a copy of that. Yeah, Encyclopedia of Witchcraft and Demonology is great, and I think people should read it just because it's it's – so telling, uh, reading that about how things have changed, um, and just the way that people look at stuff, the way they did then and how they do now. Uh, so that's three. Uh, something fun has to be in there. So I would say, uh, what would be a fun, crazy book for people to read? Uh, you know what? I would go back and read like one of the classic UFO books if people could find like uh, The White Sands Incident by Daniel Fry, or They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers by Gray Barker, one of the good 1950s UFO books, and really see what was going on in the 1950s with UFOs and, and Frank people Scully. experiencing them. Frank Scully's stuff. Yeah, Frank Scully, for sure. I mean, you know, he's the reason that we have Dana Scully, yeah. to, to a certain degree. And then, uh, last but not least, not so much fun, but... Very, very interesting. There's a book by Hillary Evans that's called Visions, Apparitions, and Alien Visitors. And again, it's one of these kind of cross-supernatural books that looks at everything strange from beginning to end and, and how they might be interassociated. So if you are listening and you don't have any of those books on your bookshelf, try and get them. Uh, of course, uh, eBay is the is way to go, but if you're in this field and you're in it for the right reasons and you're in it long enough... The next yard sale you go to, you're going to open up a box and find one of those books just sitting there for a quarter, because that's how life works for us. Yeah, because it's weird. An elf will hand it to you. From <laughs> well, we just we, we we just have a lot of shorter people in this region, so I think people might get confused. <laughs> but and, and one of the things too that I, I know that people always talk to you about is they want to talk to you about paranormal state, the new class. They want to talk to you about ghost stalkers. You know, they want to talk to you about some of the more recent television work that you're involved in, but you've, you've been involved with paranormal TV for a long time in a behind the scenes capacity. You know, we've been using the unsolved mysteries music here for our week and weird segment. Yes, that's right, Greg. We had it first. Uh, <laughs> we've been using that since, you know, 2006 and that's something that is ingrained in people who research this stuff is is just Robert Stack's voice, that music, those stories, and, and you were involved with that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's very strange because I had just started college, and um, I, I just assumed that I would be a history teacher, 
and I was had started doing lectures on weird stuff, mostly conspiracy theory, mostly uh, political assassinations of the 1960s and 70s. But I had already been attending some conferences. You know, back then they were metaphysical conventions. They weren't ghost conferences or UFO conventions. They were just metaphysical conferences, and you had everybody from every field there. And uh, somehow or another, my name got passed to someone at NBC, and I got a phone call and, and asked if I wanted to be a researcher on the show Unsolved Mysteries. And so I left school uh, to do that and, and work behind the scenes. And a lot of people forget, you know, Unsolved Mysteries for quite a long time was simply missing persons and unsolved murders. Um, I really like to feel that, you know, uh, the, the group that I worked with, we were the ones who really kind of moved them in the direction of ghosts and poltergeists and, and UFOs and alien abductions and, and all of that stuff. We, we were actually the first, I think, and you might be able to check this and know this better than I, Tim, but I think that we were actually the first show that had researchers who gained access to the Lizzie Borden house for that yes, episode yeah, of Unsolved definitely. Mysteries. Yeah, it was right around the time that they just opened up as a as a bed and breakfast. So you were the first ones to, to crack through there. Have you ever been? Uh, I haven't. Oh, we have to fix that. We'll make it happen. We can do that. We can make it Anytime that you're coming to this area, we can certainly get you in there. I know you'll be heading up this way uh, to New England uh, in November as part of the Strange Escapes event at Mount Washington. So maybe, maybe we can figure something out then. Uh, I would love it. Uh, you know, again, Unsolved Mysteries really kind of cut my teeth. But, you know, at the same time, Unsolved Mysteries, working for television at such an early age and being kind of a young upstart, like it really turned me off to television. You know, I worked behind the scenes writing on shows for, you know, over a decade and never wanted to be on camera. Uh, we just live in a society now where that is kind of going to happen eventually. So at some point, you're going you're going to have you have to have your face on camera. So, you know, on Paranormal State, the new class, was the first time I agreed to it, and that was 2010. And by that time, I had already been doing lectures for 20 years. So, it, you know, it took a long time to want to be more involved with television. Television, to me, was always a very bad medium for paranormal because it's so hyperbolic. Right. And they, they move the narrative to wherever they want. Yeah, we were. I mean, we were even talking about that. You know, just breaking down the fourth wall a bit. We were talking about that uh, on the ship about how we had ideas and concepts of where we wanted to go with ghost stalkers, and and they very quickly kind of narrowed that focus away from trying to connect these these broader topics uh, together. Yeah, absolutely. There were many many things that happened, and and Tim and you know, working on the show had his ideas of what it should have been like, and they were great ideas, and. You know, he, uh, there was a lot of stuff I think we talked about um, where you would never even know that they hadn't gotten it to us. It hadn't even filtered down to, to the idea to Chad or I. And then we would film, Chad and I would film something completely organic that was really incredible. And it was just talking about these really great ideas and concepts. And they would just be left on the editing room floor. Somewhere out there, there's a fantastic, you know, gag reel, blooper reel type thing where it's going to be, instead of jokes, it's going to be just like mind-blowing discussions that uh, sooner or later we'll have to make it out there for the world to see. <laughs> I would but, love for people to see it. And there was actually a, a, a conversation that was happening when we were filming Ghost Stalkers about releasing all of that stuff online as, as web content. And then it just never, of course, but I, I feel like that was something that was said to me to kind of keep me under control. 
Well, I, I, I think that uh, some of the concepts we were looking at in, in you know, just this, what we were kind of putting out there in the notes, those are things that eventually the world is going to start to see those all coming together. And they can go to see some of your lectures and, and s follow along at weirdlectures.com so you can find out when you can see John speaking. But, you know, he's certainly somebody that will, you know, it's kind of like when you start to unravel the mysteries of, you know, uh, your favorite TV show and, and peel away the layers or, you know, when you watch a movie like uh, Memento and all of a sudden all the pieces start to come together. When you go and hear John talk, it starts to click. And uh, we actually have a call on the line, John, if you're willing to take some calls here. Of course. And we have uh, about eight minutes left, so 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420 if you want to call in. Good morning. You're on. Good morning. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with John Tenney. How are you? Hello. Hi. Do you have a question for John? Yes. Uh, first of all, I'd like to know if there's a way of contacting John so I can share some of my experiences with him. Yeah, absolutely. I am very easily accessible. Uh, my email is john at weirdlectures.com. Uh, you can find me. Most of my uh, social media stuff is just John, and my middle initials are E-L, so it's John E-L Tenney. And if you look it up on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, those are all my handles. So I'm pretty easy to find. If you type John Weirdo or John Ghosts into Google, I'm pretty sure you find me. <laughs> because um, I just wanted to share a little thing that happened with me yesterday. And I didn't realize it until I listened to Tom, uh, Tim's show this morning. He said that he was going to have you on tonight because Tim has a show on Saturday morning as well. And uh, he said that you're going to be on, and he mentioned the word elf. And I'm like, whoa. Um, on my way to a department store yesterday, I was receiving a lot of signs and synchronicities and coincidences, which I have been doing uh, for the last 20 years, but they were really piling up yesterday on the way to the department store yesterday. So when I got in the department store, there was a few others, and then when I got to the makeup department, uh, I usually look for a certain kind of brand, and uh, I didn't have the colors that I wanted for eyeshadow, so I, I was browsing around, and I found a new one, and it was called Elf. And I'm like, what? That's kind of interesting. What's behind all this? And then this morning... Tim mentions the word elf associated with you. I'm like, wow, that's kind of weird. Yep, absolutely. I want to hear as much about the elf as you have. So email me and uh, let's figure it out because they're running around. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's uh, something coming down the, the pipeline. I, I mean, Miss Sarah, yeah. that's one of the things I've always wanted to see was elves and fairies. I absolutely love them. I believe in them. And it's part of the realm that I'm sure I'm about to experience. <laughs> you know what? I feel like there's like going to be an announcement of like a major motion picture that has to do with elves pretty soon. I mean, you watch. It's, it's so I, in the air right now that I can feel it. I want you to hear my story because it's been going on for 20 years, and it needs to come to a conclusion because it's driving me crazy, okay? I can't, sleep, right. I can't sleep at night because it keeps waking me up and saying, Get up, go write your journal, keep writing on your manuscript, and I need to find a conclusion. Please help me. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right, well, write to me. I'm right there for you. All right. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the call. Thank you very much. Have a great thank night. You. And uh, and I got a feeling there'll be uh, there'll be some updated elf calls from her as well when uh, she has even more stories and more strange things that happen. It's making me a little jealous. I think I want to see an elf now. I've seen fairies my entire life, but I don't think I've ever seen an elf. Well, I know. John, you're talking about going back out there, right? 
yeah, the gentleman who took me out there told me when the weather gets better, if you have people who want to see the elf, uh, put them together and bring them out here. I think I do. <laughs> and, well, and, and you say you see fairies. I have been able to see fairies since I was little, yes. Yep. So well, maybe well, they're tied in. Since for now, since we're best friends and you're the spork, perhaps yes. now you, you'll get a chance to see the elf. I think I want to. I think this is all coming together very nicely. I see brownies. It's, it's a type of elemental. I'm able to see puckwudgies, too, but I don't think I've ever experienced an elf. And I wonder if it's like, do we not have elves in New England? I don't know. Maybe, Is maybe, that why? Maybe, it's, maybe they're geographically inclined. That's what I'm, I'm wondering, because I don't really know. But I know, like, there's fairies in the area. I see puckwudgies very easily. Like, that's not an issue. But I've never seen an elf. Well, we'll have to make it happen for you. We'll make John come to Lizzie Borden's. We'll make you go see the elf. Yeah, maybe he can bring his elf with him. And then oh, we'll the elf follows him. me around wherever I go. All right, you yeah. need to come to New England as soon as possible. we got to make this happen. <laughs> this, this is, this is going to get even weirder when she call, when she's going to text me at like 3.30 in the morning. Be like, I think there's an elf outside my house right now. I will be so excited. You have no it, idea. It, it's probably going to happen. <laughs> So, see, well, I've been telling people because, you know, one of the things that is kind of indicative of this elf following me around are these miniature hoof prints that I find. Which is uh, amazing. So, so it looks like a, a little horse has run around, except it's only two instead of four. And it's these little little horseshoe-shaped, almost, uh, not quite horseshoe-shaped, but little cloven hoof tracks that I find all over. All right, well, we have only just a few moments left, John. Uh, what do you have coming up that uh, people can come out and see you at? Uh, so I am going to be at Penhurst uh, this June in about two weeks with Nick Groff and Chad Lindbergh. This will be the first time that Chad and I have done something together, I think, since Ghost Stalkers came out, actually. So we're returning to Penhurst. Penhurst is actually where we filmed the pilot for Ghost Stalkers, which I don't think anybody ever saw, but... That's well, where Chad and I met, and we'll be there in a couple weeks together. And then if people are interested in seeing any of my lectures or any of the events I'm doing, they can actually go to weirdlectures.com, and there's a link for events where people can see me. That's the easiest way to do that. I, I saw that pilot, and uh, I can tell you that it was phenomenal. I mean, if that had just carried through to be the series, I mean, it would have been even more phenomenal than it was. But, alas, we just have those those six episodes to remember forever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, John, so much for joining us. This was great, and we definitely want to have you come back on and, and talk more weird stuff with us in the future. And, of course, keep us up to date with all the strange things that happen. I absolutely will. Thanks for having me on, guys. All thank right. Good, good night, little spoon. <laughs> good night, big spoon. <laughs> See you later. That is Bye-bye. Mr. John E.L. Tenney. You can follow him online at weirdlectures.com and, of course, all over social media. Follow him on Twitter at John E.L. Tenney, T-E-N-N-E-Y. So if you want to make sure that you spell it right. And and he has so many different things that he's been involved with, uh, so, so many different projects that he's taken part. You know, he's a creative guy, always has his great ideas. And uh, and I'll be I'll tweet out some links to some of the stuff that he's done that makes makes me laugh anyway. And uh, i got to show you, Matt, i got to show you, it's a cartoon show. You have to see this. It's hysterical. So... We'll we'll uh, we'll definitely be sharing some of that out with people as well. So that about does it for this week's show. We're uh, we're pretty much out of time, but we'll be back next Saturday night for another night of discussing the paranormal. Uh, you can always join us live Saturday nights at ten o'clock. 
You can also find the podcasts on iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. There's 10 years' worth of archives out there to find. And, of course, there's videos on YouTube that you can watch as well. So if you need to get a hold of us during the week, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com is the email address. That will go to all of us. And SpookySouthCoast.com has all of our personal contact info as well if you want to reach out. So, as I said, that does it for this week's show. For Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooked up.